This episode of A Race of Living is titled An Accessible World, and we're here with a guest. And uh, you all know how much I love my guest episodes. So we have Linda Hunt joining us, and we have so much to talk about related to accessibility. But first, let Linda introduce herself. Linda, over to you. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to the discussion. Thanks so much, Jen. So as by way of introduction, um, I'm an award-winning accessibility consultant, speaker, podcaster, and author. I'm the CEO of a company called Accessibility Solutions. And we work with businesses um, to remedy barriers for persons with disabilities. So one of my, or we'll call it our mission statement is making the world accessible. And so what fits in with uh, your, your topic today is an accessible world because our mission is making the world accessible. And I'm glad you started with that because my first question is, what is an accessible world? And I'm deliberately asking that because we already know there's some people that truly do not understand the full struggles of lack of accessibility. So what is an accessible world? Because many will look at you and say the world is already accessible. So how would you explain what an accessible world is? Well, really, it's just everyone can go everywhere. There are no barriers to anyone. And we we have, uh, you know, if you, if you don't have a disability, um, you, you could have one. You could have one tomorrow. You could be in a catastrophic car accident on your way home from work today and, and find that you're a person with a disability tomorrow. So the, the incidence of disability um, is uh, 22% of the population has a disability now. Um, and for the population over the age of 65, the baby boomers, mm-hmm. that percentage actually increases to 40% of the population. Wow. So yeah, so there is a real business case mm-hmm. for why all businesses and organizations should be accessible. And that's because the incidence of disability increases as the population ages. If you are not accessible, then that's between 25 and 40% of the population that are not going to come to your business. They're not going to use your services um, because you're not accessible. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, those are real numbers. Those are and real- that's what I love the fact that you're using numbers because numbers speak for themselves. Now, in your mind, is accessibility all about mobility? Accessibility is anything. It, it, it is, uh, is just ensuring that there are no barriers to anyone that wants to access a business or a service. So, it, you know, I myself am in a power wheelchair. Mobility uh, barriers are, are, are usually what people think about when they, when they talk about accessibility, but it doesn't matter if, if someone is blind or if they're deaf, or if they have an intellectual disability, or, or a mental health disability, a learning disability, you know, anything like, like that is, those are all, you know, recognizable disabilities of people that need to have access. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because this, I think it could be a bit sensitive. When do you use disability? And when do you use accessibility? Because we have an accessibility act, and then there seems to be a sensitivity to using the word disability or disable. So what is what is the proper, in your mind, proper language that able body that don't fall into that labeling grouping? And if you know me, you know I hate labels. I really do. 
But if you fall into that, what is the proper language? Because I see a lot of times, especially in the corporate setting, people are, don't know necessarily what to say, how to say it. So maybe you can give some insights to that. Yeah. So in, in I'm in Canada, but in the United States, you're, you're actually further ahead of us. You've had the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, since 1992. So it was just 30 years old last year. And I, I do travel a lot. So I will tell you from the standpoint of accessibility, which to me, accessibility is the environment. And, and so if you can think of the environment just being accessible for everyone. Um, persons with disabilities are, is identifying um, a person. So I use a power wheelchair. I'm a person with a disability. Or in some cases, that would be referred to as I'm disabled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, handicap, and people will will use that word. But the handicap is really the fact that there's a barrier for a person with a disability to them being able to access something. So the handicap is is not actually attached to the person with a disability. It is something in the environment that is is a barrier. Okay, I see. Yeah. So when you ask the question, what is accessibility? Accessibility is the environment. And, you know, as I said before, our mission of making the world accessible just means that there are no barriers to anyone with a disability anywhere in the in the world. So in your mind, it would not be offensive then to say something like Linda is my friend and she is disabled. That is okay. That would not offend. No, because that's what I want people to know what how they should refer um, to people with disability, even in their presence, so they're not offensive. Yes. Or they're not And, and that's um, that, that's no different as than saying uh, Jen has uh, black hair or Jen wears glasses. Mm-hmm. Well, Jen wears glasses. Um, in, in some um, cases, the fact that you wear glasses means that you you have a, a visual disability. Exactly. If you if you if you weren't wearing glasses um, you might be wearing contacts but in that case you are uh, your glasses are um, an aid for your disability and do you mind talking about 2004 and how you because you went from being you know from being able to being disabled in 2004 do you want to do you mind telling that story Sure, sure. So just to give you a little background, I was actually diagnosed in 1998, so 25 years ago, mm-hmm. with multiple sclerosis, ah, okay. which is, a, which is a, a, a chronic disease and has different trajectories of disability progression. So in 2004, um, after um, living with the disease for six years, I started my disability progressed to the point that in 2004, um, I had a limp and I started walking with one cane. Mm-hmm. And then I went from early 2006 to the end of 2007, from one cane to two canes, to a walker, to a scooter, to a wheelchair um, in the span of about 18 months. Wow. So I really had a, a very, very short time frame of disability progression um, that, that uh, and, and all through that time, um, had to adapt to the environment 
which um, in in Canada um, was are good at that time. No, we are. Um, I'm in the province of Ontario, mm -hmm. so we actually had legislation that was introduced in 2005 mm -hmm. that was designed to make the province of Ontario fully accessible by 2025. And I'll tell you, it's 2023, and we've got a long, long way to go. We're not. And I want to spend some time talking about that because even in some work that I do, and I can't really, you know, with the government, we are looking at the um, Accessibility Act as it even pertains to advancement of technology and how to keep it abreast to be able to service those with disabilities in the proper way and trying to understand that. So it's been in my focus for the past month or more in terms of lack. So I want to spend a little time to talk about where you see the lack from two perspectives, the environment and then technology. So let's first talk about the environment where do you still see there needs to be a lot of work still done? Yeah, so we refer to that as the built environment, which is so, so think of buildings. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, some of the biggest challenges are um, the fact that building codes have not kept up with what the real needs are for persons with disabilities. So in the province of Ontario, for example, the Ontario Building Code says now if you're building a new building or you're doing a major renovation, then you have to meet accessibility requirements. But, but what the real um, issue is in reality is that there are so many buildings and businesses, you know, prior to those, yeah. right? So then you've got the cost of of uh, retrofitting and retrofitting is where things get expensive but when you think about building a new building um, and we could have been thinking along these lines 20 30 40 years ago it doesn't cost anymore to build a building that's accessible it's the the renovations or the retrofitting that's expensive mm -hmm. you're now on a council right you're now an official counselor yeah so does that mean now that you have more clout to really lobby for some of these changes? I, I would like to think so. Let's put it this way. I, I certainly bring the voice, persons with disabilities, to the table. I'm a municipal councillor, so for my city. But, you know, also encouraging us to be looking at making decisions with that accessibility lens so that we're not in my, I always say, we're not using public tax dollars to build something that has a barrier to persons with disabilities. That's an example of um, ensuring that um, accessibility um, is considered from the design or the planning stage of um, specifically a municipal building, because we're, you know, we're talking about um, something that's, you know, in the planning and design might be in a capital budget, for example, right? and then having the, the municipal council um, be aware that we need to consider accessibility when we're looking at that particular uh, project. So now where do you see the lack related to technology? Technology, I think, um, and we have, um, we certainly have legislation around, and it's it's a similar concept. New and redeveloped websites must meet um, certain levels of accessibility technology, mm. but 
you know, we, it's the same thing. It's, it's a grandfathered website. So websites that have been around for five or 10 years don't have that same requirement. And so from a technology perspective, persons with, uh, who, are, who are blind or have low vision and I never understand. This is one of the things that I always shake my head about. I remember when I was in university, I had a professor and he talked about the future value of money. And at that time, in our youth and our ignorance, at that time, I thought, what a dry topic. I hate this topic and everything. As I got, as I grew up and went into the real world and started thinking, I was like, oh my God, that was like the most important part of the education because we're living that and when you think about 2004 2005 when they could have actually brought in and do these things at that cost then and what it would cost now you think why didn't they do it back then I don't get it you know, know every time they delay the more it's going to cost to do it and the more the excuses are going to be that it's costly do you, you know what I mean it's like I feel like it's a never ending cycle of excuses as opposed to can we just get something concrete in place? So I ask, what keeps you resilient to this? What keeps you going in the face of some of the, the only way I can call it nonsensical actions that get taken place and how slow it is to actually make progress? What keeps you resilient, Linda? I think what keeps me resilient is the fact that there are, I mean, I have, I have clients, I work with businesses every day that, that are getting the message that oh, okay. accessibility is good for business. And I mean, it started out and I'm sure it started out probably 30 years ago in the, in the U S with the ADA comes along. Now it's legislation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of businesses look at legislation as that's something I have to do. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, you know, when we really look at the, the real numbers, the percentage of people with a disability and how that is going to negatively impact, impact your bottom line if you're not accessible, then businesses are not just doing it because it's something they have to do. Mm -hmm. They recognize the value in, in being accessible. The other thing that we we work with a lot of businesses on is inclusive hiring strategies right because the world is short-staffed and the most underutilized labor pool of people out there are persons with disabilities and training businesses to understand the value of inclusive hiring strategies really we've got I don't know about where you are but where we are we've got businesses are that aren't even able to open their regular hours yeah they can't staff the facility um, and so that's really impacting their bottom line I mean if you're if your business bottom line is based on being open seven days a week but now you only have enough staff to be open four then embracing inclusive hiring strategies to bring persons with disabilities into your organization that's money. That also then hits them, depending on where they are, that they've still got to look at the environment to make that happen as well. So the two go hand in hand is all I'm saying as yeah. well. And that's what the inclusive hiring strategies are all about. Like, first of all, the, the biggest barrier to hiring persons with disabilities is usually attitudinal barriers. People have to get 
past that and see that persons with disabilities bring just as much to the table. The inclusion thing always irks me because as you can see, I'm a what would be called a visible minority plus I'm a female. So I've got it double size. Inclusion is a human right. This space called Earth is big enough to hold all of us. And we have to just embrace everybody, irrespective of what lived experiences they have and what skin they were handed when they were born. We got to look at each other as humans first. And if we started doing that from our own individual space, I think you would see the heart expand and the connection expand to start looking at these things in a much more fulsome way. Like I don't look at you, Linda, and see a disabled person. I, I need you to understand that. I look at you and I see a wonderful lady, a vibrant lady, a very committed lady in front of me. That's what I see. If you didn't tell me you were in a wheelchair, I, I honestly wouldn't have seen it. Even if I saw you in person, you'd get the same level of respect. And I think we have to start understanding, you know, that we're all just humans. We bleed the same way. We have the same desires, the same Maslow basic needs. There was a question that I had for you in terms of trying to get more people in. Here's here's the question that I had. I had a little bit of a brain burp there for a minute. I'll be honest about that. One of the things I find interesting is we have privacy regulation and we have a privacy police called the IPC or a body that overlooks privacy matters. In the same way with the accessibility acts and regulations, is there an accessibility body or police that goes around and says this needs to change? Is there such a thing for accessibility? So we do have here, and it's funny that you mentioned human rights. So in Ontario, uh, where I am, it's called the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disability Act. So that legislation is companion legislation to the Ontario Human Rights Code. So violations of the what we call the AODA can be reported to the Ontario Human Rights Code as a human rights violation because I have I have just as much right to access whatever goods and services as as anyone else does. Exactly. So that's what we call the stick. Mm-hmm. And as a counselor, one of the things I would um, present to you, I don't know if it's already in place, but something certainly that came into my mind was, do we have a sense of where the density of people lacking accessibility or having a, dis- a disability, do we have a sense of density pockets that could prioritize where the focus go and where the where the funding goes to kind of equalize those areas a little bit more and then go you know what I mean as a method of prioritization what do you think of something like that yeah when I look at my mission of just making the world accessible I I think everything should be accessible for everyone but you got to start somewhere right yeah that's a that's an interesting concept I'm a strategist. So I look at, you know, we could try to get the big bang, right? But with technology and stacks the way they are, if we can start and say this pocket in of Ontario, for some reason, has a high presence of disabled, let's start with that or use that as a pilot to show the benefits of how that region can prosper because we put dollars into it to really make it accessible because it shows a really high density population. Might be a way to I realize what you're saying. I can't fix everything all at once. I guess my my argument with that is we shouldn't have to fix it at all. (laughs) (laughs) 
it it should have been accessible to start with. And uh, I don't mean to, but you're apt. I agree. Don't, yeah. Make sure you understand, Linda. I hundred and fifty, two hundred and fifty percent agree with you. But sometimes when you're herding the cattle, yeah, you you have to have a strategy and approach to do it. It's just a suggestion from old layman me thinking it. You start with a pilot that proves success. And then you go from there and it might be a way to reel in. I, just a thought. <laughs> I just put yeah, it up. I mean, I, I I think, I mean, I'm fairly new to city council. My my biggest, my biggest thing is that we don't use any tax dollars to build build barriers. So anything that we're approving that's going to be a new build. Mm -hmm. does not have any barriers in that's the message because if we had started thinking along those lines 20 or 30 years ago just think of all the, the oh, buildings yeah. and projects that you know we wouldn't even be talking about renovating at this point because they would have been accessible when they were built 20 or 30 years ago so that so it might be a two-pronged approach right where you deal with the new ones come starting out and deal with that up front and then the retrofits you go back using the other approach but just yeah. some thoughts as I was um, going through I wanted to wrap up with um, rapid fire um, I've been doing rapid fire to wrap up and I'm going to throw you some words and you just tell me what comes to mind and one of them is very unique to you. So all the podcasters have a unique word. So the first one, I think, is mindset. What comes to mind? For me, it's a, a positive mindset. As a person with a disability, um, I, I speak quite often on the, the power of a positive mindset when you're dealing with, uh, with adversity. Love it. Love it. Gratitude. Um, be, just just be, be thankful for the gifts that you have in your life. Now, this one's going to throw you off. Wowzy. 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 What comes to mind? I don't know. Potapalooza. You had a big smile, so I know. It. Yeah. Um, I think I think for me, um, yeah, more more doors that are that are um that are opening. Um just awesome. the more the, the message is is getting through and people are getting it. That okay. that's when I get the wow factor. It's like, yeah. And here's the one unique to you. I couldn't finish all the words because we ran out of time. So I'll have to track time a little better. But anyway, advocate. This one is definitely unique to you. Advocate, what comes to mind? Just that's just you know, speaking, speaking up and speaking out. And also for me, I, I do a lot of advocacy work because there are a lot of people in uh, my situation who have a disability that are not able to advocate for themselves. And so the more people that are able to advocate, then the more um, the word gets, uh, gets exactly. around. And I love the word. It's such a powerful word. I used to call myself a life advocate and I, I still am, but um, I turned it to strategy as to how to get around barriers. So it, it, it fitted right in. Linda, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there any last things you want the audience to know where to find you? Anything like that? I, I just, I give my email address. I say, you know, reach out if you've got questions or comments. Uh, and I always say, if I don't know the answer, I might know somebody that does. So my email address is Linda at solutions, the number four accessibility.com. And I'm sure you'll put that in the show notes. Yes, I will. Thank you so much. And this wraps up another edition of Arrays of Living with our guest, Linda Hunt. Thank you so much for listening. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Arrays of Living. And please be sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. You will also find in the description below my email address should you want to reach out, and I am happy if you do. And just to be sure, it's Jen at youareworthmore.co and worth more you definitely are. And lastly, also see the link that will allow you to schedule a meet and greet with me. And that's an opportunity for me to meet you and you to meet me and for us to have a chat. And that would be wonderful and welcoming. So please hit the link and let's set up a meet and greet.